Hello, and welcome to the How to Get an Analytics Job podcast. My name is John David Arianson, and I'm your host. I'm what you would call a practicing professor. I have years of experience consulting in the analytics industry, and I have years of experience teaching analytics in the classroom at Greensboro College. This podcast is an ecosystem that I developed for my students so that they could get world-class career advice from leading analytics experts. To date, my students have got to ask questions directly to analysts and data scientists from Amazon, Apple, and Google. They've even got to talk directly to CEOs, CMOs, and presidents of companies who have been former clients of mine to get insights on how senior managers use data to drive their business decisions. If you're interested in becoming one of my students, check the links in the description down below. I'm currently offering two programs. One is a one-month career services program, and the other is an analytics apprenticeship program associated with Greensboro College. In both of those programs, we take a three-tiered hybrid approach. So you'll have access to pre-recorded asynchronous lectures, live group lectures in a cohort setting, and one-on-one coaching with experts in the analytics space. On average, our students are gaining about a $16,000 pay increase going through the program. On the high end, we've actually helped someone achieve a $54,000 pay increase. This means that on average, our students are recouping their investment between one to two months of landing their job. So if you're ready to take your career to the next level, click the links in the description and apply for our program. I would love to get to work with you. With all that being said, I hope you enjoy this podcast episode. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. So today I've got Gavin here and we're going to be talking about the second week of him working on the Greensboro College Analytics Apprenticeship Project. So last time we spoke, you, we had just met with a client, right? Correct. So I guess to refresh everybody, what do we, what do, we do that first day? So the first day we toured the facility, um, we got to ask any and all questions. Um, we got provided the data set that we needed. Um, and then the CFO and the CEO gave us a list of things that they were looking forward to um, kind of for us to visualize. So gotcha. that was the main point, um, and it was kind of it was kind of fun. I mean, honestly, walking through uh, the packaging facility, you get a more in depth look at what they do, and it kind of helps you figure out some different questions to ask past what they've already um, kind of suggested that they're looking for. So, right. Um, so essentially, meeting one was introduce you to the client mm-hmm. um, toward the facility. So now we understand what they do. So what they mm-hmm. do is they. They hire unskilled laborers to package excess, like, I guess, excess demand of different products. For example, like if a battery company um, had a huge swell in demand beyond their capacity for their own, like, their own factory, they would outsource to this company. And they do that for, I don't know, what is it, like... I mean, you would tell me this. How many clients do they have? It's quite a few. Um, yeah, it's quite a few. Um, obviously, you have the consistent ones that they do. Obviously, most mm-hmm. businesses work kind of seasonally, but uh, they stay busy. They stay busy. And I know from what the conversation that we had, they're going through like a um, – they're kind of starting to ramp up, kind of going through the mm-hmm. summer. So what we're building out here uh, will definitely benefit them as they go through the next quarter. Gotcha. So – we okay when we met with them they showed us a data file mm-hmm. but you have just you got the data file what about a week ago because yes. we needed to sign an NDA just to make sure because this is right. I mean they're actually they're working with a bunch of name brand companies which is pretty pretty exactly. cool to see like that yeah. show up in the data set <laughs> yeah very much so um, so we got the NDA signed 
emailed the them to the CFO and then mm-hmm. got the data set back, and that was about a week ago. Mm-hmm. So this is the first time you've worked with like a real like messy company's data, right? Correct. Uh, this is the perfect thing that you would want to do in any type of apprenticeship because as Hunter said, there's going to be a lot of things missing um, and kind of some questions that came up when we had our first meeting, uh, yeah. him, Leon B, and myself. So uh, it's going to be interesting to kind of get in. Yeah. So um, I guess let, let's do like a, almost like a mock interview question. Okay. So if, if you're – because you're about to start interviewing soon. Correct. So if they say, tell me about a time you worked with a data quality issue. First of all, well, what is a data quality issue and why do they arise? Um, a data quality issue is going to be missing piece of, pieces of data um, to which you can't answer a certain question. What we found out in our first meeting um, with Hunter and Leon Bay, our, the first thing that we wanted to know, we all looked at the data set at the same time. Um, well, we got it about a, a day or two before, so we kind of all worked through it individually um, to mm-hmm. kind of see what questions came up. We had a Google Doc. We shared it. We kind of listed those questions from there. When we met from there, um, we had to figure out what points were missing. Um, so we established that we needed a data dictionary because although I was in the meeting, um, Leon Ben Honor wasn't in that one, um, yeah. there were still some questions that I had. So gotcha. that was the first thing to try to figure that out, the terminology and everything, and then kind of move from there. Right. But so why, why do, well, why did the data quality error? Since we haven't like disclosed who the client is, I think mm-hmm. we can actually talk about this explicitly. Okay. What is an example of a data quality error you came across? Um, data quality error. So one of the first things that we had was um, there were missing pieces. So there was different types of material. There were different people that worked in different sets and they were just missing data. So if we had a specific cost on a specific day, um, the there was no project that was shown to have ran that day. So clearly there is something missing in that. Um, Hunter was real good at kind of quickly kind of working through that. Mm-hmm. He established that there was a specific um, there was a specific time frame that we we're missing, and then we kind of went from there. That was the first thing we figured out, but there was a couple other. Okay, so I guess to kind of like make sure that I'm understanding what you're saying. Okay, so they're incurring costs, but they can't tie that back to a sale that was generated. Correct. So, I mean, there are situations in business where. You're willing to take on a cost with no sale. It's mm-hmm. called a loss leader strategy. Yeah. Have you ever heard of that before? A little bit. So a loss leader strategy is like I'm willing to give you something that costs me to get you in the door mm-hmm. with a chance that maybe you become a recurring customer or I can upsell you later. Right. That's not the case in this situation. Correct. So here the data set is fundamentally broken in that we're producing an output, incurring a cost, but we're not tracking what that costs or what that sale led to. Correct. Yeah. So that, that's interesting. Why do, why do you think that happened? Um, we we kind of, I mean, we got into the weeds with it a little bit. My personal opinion would be um, they kind of went over. Um, there may have been a day and time to where they had a call out for, let's say, some weather delay or something like that, or they had to take a half day. At that point, the machinery has already been ran. People already need to be paid, but nothing actually was produced that day, at least in its entirety. Um, a project wasn't completed. And that's kind of how they okay. list their data. Kind of interesting. Well, so in that situation, the data might actually be right. If so, if, let's say the project was running for right. two days and they had the machinery, mm-hmm. but something happened where mm-hmm. they were incurring that cost went down. Yeah. yeah. So that's that actually might be just like a situation where they lost out. True. And that's a good data point for them to realize, like, oh wow, if we're doing X project, we're incurring all this cost. And it's not generating sales on days 
I don't know, two, three, and four or something mm-hmm. like that. So, yeah, so that was one of the things that we had. Well, like, as you said, we don't know. Right. So that was one of the points we wanted to highlight um, as we were going through that, some of the questions. So um, we started there, and we kind of dipped off into – I'd have to look. I haven't looked at it in a little bit. Um, but we were just trying to establish more questions. So mm-hmm. some of the questions um, that Hunter was a little more, a little bit more familiar with that he'd worked with the, with his previous clients, we were kind of just kind of getting those down. Uh, Leon Bay Hunter and myself were kind of working individually, just trying to work through some of those questions. He's kind of Hunter's been very good at kind of in his project manager role, um, kind of <laughs> establishing. It's funny you say clients. Yeah, Hunter's worked on one project. He's very, yeah, yeah. He moves through it very well. Like, you wouldn't be able to tell that he's, uh, yeah. Well, it's, it's hilarious because he's 21 years old. Exactly. And so he, he worked through that billion-dollar client that, that found me through LinkedIn. Correct. And then ran that himself. And I'm like, all right, well, I kind of like him running the project. Correct. So for those of you who are listening, so Hunter Brown, my intern, is now running as the project manager for these projects, mm-hmm. which is, I think that's unique in that... You come in, you're introduced to me. I've, I've kind of got like years of experience and expertise mm-hmm. to where Hunter, I feel like, is not necessarily on your level. He's a little bit more experienced than you, but mm-hmm. like he's kind of in that like early phase too. Right. I mean, it's very fresh for him. Um, and as I said, because you just got off working with another client, a lot of those things that came up, even the things that issues that he ran into, he knows off the top, like, we're going to need this. Mm-hmm. We're going to need this. These are the things you need to look out for. Um, another pro- or issue that we were having with the data is like the project length. That was one of the big things that the CEO and the CFO were wanting us to see um, what was the actual cost of a project. The project lasts multiple days. Um, right, I do want to get into that, but okay. before before we get into that, okay. let's let's I, I want to like complete the the circle, so to speak, with okay. the data quality errors. Okay. So when you're when you're in an interview setting, and mm-hmm. like if that comes up as to why do these why do data sometimes data error, data quality errors arise? Mm-hmm. A lot of their data is manually entered in. Mm-hmm. So if you look at like an Amazon warehouse. They scan everything mm-hmm. or it's automated like using some type of machinery or I guess some like automation system. Right. Here, these people are t- like manually typing in. At, you, you saw like those stations at each of the lines. Yeah. Like I they're mean, hard keying this in. Oh, well, even before that, they're writing it on a right. you know, piece of paper. Before right. So, that, But yeah. I think that's like a really, really good lesson into why is a lot of this real world data. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think, oh, yeah, I mean, it's the data is data and it's Almost like this crystal ball where you can see everything. Yeah, but that's essentially lesson one. I want to. I want you to kind of like really kind of digest is that data out in the real world is you've got to wrangle it. Yeah. And a lot of a lot of your job, if you get an entry level analyst job, is going to be cleaning up data, asking mm-hmm. these kinds of questions like, right. "Hey, we've got a cost for this day. There's no sale." Is this because the biz- something with the business went awry, or are we just missing the sales data for that day? Mm-hmm. So that's something that you're actually seeing in real time, like how to find these issues and then mm-hmm. throw it up the chain to whoever you know manages that and, and kind of investigating it. We're going to take a quick pause from the episode so that I can give you some more information about our career services program. Over the last four years, I have developed a very effective approach to teaching the foundations of analytics. 
And I've taken that same curriculum from my case studies and business analytics class at Greensboro College and turned it into a career services program. So if you've ever thought to yourself as you're listening to this podcast, man, John David students are really lucky. You can have a very similar experience to them. Just check the link in the description down below. My career services program offers you an analytics foundations curriculum. So this will shore up any gaps in knowledge that you might have in landing either a promotion or maybe even your very first analytics job. And then you get to work one-on-one with me to help build your personal brand. So we will look at your resume and also help you develop a customized portfolio. All right, let's get back to the episode. Exactly. And that was the jump that they had already had. Um, I know they talked about probably a six to eight month process before they do get that level of automation. But yeah, I mean, for them to hard key that in every day, I mean, with the data set, with any type, with the type of data that we got, everything is going to be human error if there is an error. Right. So from there, we know that we need to go back and ask questions from there. So. Right. All right. So now we can move on to, the, I think, the second point. What's the hardest? Is, <laughs> yeah, the hardest. Well, okay. So can you lay out the problem that we're faced with right now? Okay. So we have, um, so let's say we have an account. Um, that account runs a specific project. That project lasts, let's say, a week. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're having is, um, I, you said Hunter figured it out, so I'm interested to see what that looks like. But we're having an issue trying to group the projects together. So if you have a project that runs Monday uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to group that project together, um, or if it goes Friday or Thursday, Friday, and then comes back again on Monday, yeah. but it's all still one project. Um, so we're trying to figure out how to link that level of data. Um, mm-hmm. I'm assuming there's going to be some level of code involved with that, but uh, you know, it's a little bit yeah. past what I understand. Yeah. So the the trick is that they did not have a data architect mm-hmm. design the whole data system. Because if we, every time they started a new project, they just had a new project code, mm-hmm. Not a, it would not have been an issue. We would have been able to say, oh yeah, this, this ran for X amount of days. Mm-hmm. Or there could be a data point that says, what day of the project is this? Mm-hmm. Day one, day two, day three. Because mm-hmm. then they're starting to look at margin by day. Because, I mean, it, essentially their business model is a loss leader strategy now that I'm thinking about it. So they run a project for five days Mm-hmm. Um, they might lose money on day one, break even day two, and then make money three, four, and five. Correct. So um, they want that's why that's that's they call that runtime. That's why they want to know why they want to know. All right, where do we hit even with this project? Because mm-hmm. they may either be pricing it too low, and then they're actually losing money because mm-hmm. yeah, they're just not. It, th- and this is where I think that I kind of have the the, the five thousand foot view is that. I'm going to strongly encourage you, or actually I'm going to force you guys (laughs) to tie this back to the business decision. Right. So the decision for why runtime is important is pricing strategy. Mm -hmm. So on the flip side, they might actually be overpricing it Mm -hmm. and they could drop their price and then maybe get even more of those types of customers Mm -hmm. at the lower price point. Correct. So yeah, that's why the, the specific problem of we can't, scope out each or how, how many days the project run, mm-hmm. it, that seems like a very specific problem, but you tie it back to, well, this is actually a very important thing for our business to understand. Exactly. And with 18, you know, 18,000 rows worth of data, it's going to take us a little bit. So if you found a way to kind of work through right. that, yeah, definitely interested to see. Well, what's funny is literally in our meeting on Saturday, you had to miss because you're on a business trip. Um, I literally Googled, you know, how how to um, link consistent 
project days in a row. Mm-hmm. And someone in the Power BI community forum had listed out how to do that in a similar type project. Okay. So then they had like the code listed out. And I was like, here, Hunter. Which is funny because it's like apparently he researched it and couldn't figure it out. And I was like, this is literally the first Google result. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I looked it up, but I I knew I was like, the keywords that I'm using are probably not right. But yeah, I tried to look it up even before our meeting last week. And I was like, I can't, you know, I was lost. See, what will be tricky is though, I wonder if that code is going to be sensitive to the skip from Friday to Mm -hmm. Monday. I'm not quite sure. I'm not sure. Um, But we're we're getting it towards the right direction mm-hmm. so now we can at least start tracking the projects that run you know yep. between a one-week period exactly yeah i mean it definitely is a step forward because that was one of the big things that we're going to have to establish to see what kind of trends as far as costing trends that you know um we need to see so i'm interested to see what that yeah. looks like all right so how are we going to analyze this data in what way like what do you mean like, oh, I guess explicitly, like, what tool are we going to use, first of all? I mean, we're using Power BI. Okay. I mean, that's the first and foremost. So I thought, you know. Um, I think if, you wanted to learn more about Power BI, right? Exactly. I want, yeah, ERP data and Power BI. So it kind of got all of that in one. Which, yeah, it was funny. That's actually, this is perfect because you were like, I literally, I want more of this type of data set. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, well, here you go. And also, typically these types of organizations uh, use Power BI because it's part of the Microsoft suite. Mm-hmm. You're literally in the meeting with the CEO and CFO of this company, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we've got Power BI included within our Microsoft license." Exactly. So it's not going to incur any cost to them. Exactly. So um, yeah, I mean, Power BI was a, was the one platform that I was unfamiliar with, so I am kind of excited to kind of work through that. After honestly, that I work through Tableau a little bit more, Power BI makes more sense. Like I yeah. can move through it a little bit better. Um, it's gonna well, the, get more. yeah. The reason I wanted to root down on power on Tableau, um, for for the apprenticeship program is that they have Tableau Public. Mm-hmm. So Tableau Public is a free server where you can upload your work. Mm-hmm. Basically, you can build out a portfolio for free in the analytics space there, mm-hmm. and it's the same concept of, as Power BI. Exactly. Except I would say Tableau is stronger in data visualization. Power BI is stronger with data modeling. Okay. So I mean, but they to do data visualization, you have gotta connect to a data source or multiple data sources, wrangle them together, and then visualize them. Mm-hmm. So, that, I mean, that's like the, the three core functions of that, that type of tool. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm interested to kind of play with it some more. I have a couple more questions that I'm going to work on when we get out of here just to kind of see. Actually, one of the things that we we're looking at was uh, forecasting some of the data that we already know. So even though they're very basic questions, as I said, we still needed a data dictionary and everything else. There were forecasting tools that we we didn't necessarily know at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of Google is my best friend, YouTube videos yeah. all day. Um, so I was able to figure that out. So I'm going to play so with that So you're doing forecasting in Power BI? I'm going to see. I mean, I figured out how to do the forecasting. I'm going to see what question I can ask to see, get the forecasting. What's cool is I don't even know how to do that. Well, I, I can yeah. do it in Tableau pretty easily. Right. I don't know forecasting in Power BI. It's, it's just I could, I'm sure I could Google it and figure it out. Yeah. But it's like you now know something beyond the scope of what I know, which exactly. is super cool to see. I mean, yeah, I think it was just, it's honestly just a couple click-throughs. It was a three-minute video that I watched. I was like, oh, this is easy. I just yeah. have to kind of model it after what we're doing, so. It'll be interesting because forecasting gets a little bit complex in that there's, like, multiple ways you can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm not, I, I actually don't do much forecasting. Mm-hmm. Most of, well, it kind of gets back to that, like, core concept of analytics of, mm-hmm. What type of analytics are you doing? Forecasting is kind of getting more into predictive and prescriptive mm-hmm. to where I just do historical analysis. Exactly. I mean, which is 
at what, 90% of businesses right now? Right. We're just looking at the past trends so that they can then, like, I'm going to root down again on this this pricing example. Mm-hmm. They can say, oh, if we're um, packaging snuff or, you know, the dip tobacco. Tobacco, yeah. Um, we break even on day two. Mm-hmm. Um, we should price it at this point. Mm-hmm. They can then say, all right, well, here's a here's another type of very similar product. Mm-hmm. This is our pricing model for it. Right. And that's just that's not looking into the future. That's looking at the past to be able to build out kind of, I guess, like business models or business concepts that you mm-hmm. can then actually use like a little tool. Like here's here, here's a rough estimate of how much we should should be pricing things. Right. So I know that they spoke on the uh, kind of showing some of the sales team, some of the work. So forecasting works well for us. So if you have a new salesman or someone coming on to work an account, um, you want to be able to see what accounts are going to be more lucrative for you just to put more energy in. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, you you so. probably know more about forecasting than I do because you're in sales right now. Yeah, I it's mean, like it, yeah, it may, yeah, exactly. So it makes more sense. Um, honestly, that was why I looked it up um, to go to kind of the final project that I want to do for my current kind of position. Um, but um, yeah, so just showing the general trends um, from the four, I can't remember where I was going with it. <laughs> but I did figure it out. Yeah. Well, no, I think that this is important though, and we can kind of investigate this a little bit is that you already have a lot of transferable skills. Mm-hmm. So you know how to use data to drive like a sales management position. Exactly. You know, I mean, that's, that's kind of what we're, what we're doing at a high level from this project is that we're arming their sales department with deeper knowledge and insights about what they're doing, how they're performing, so that, yeah, maybe the battery comp- or battery type companies are better than the tobacco type companies. Mm-hmm. So they can use that, just like you were saying. Like, why, well, why do you use the forecast? Um, so and, it helps um, it helps you set goals. Um, you'll actually be able to see what you should be able to shoot for per your current. What works well for me is because I've, yeah, if you haven't been with the current position um, for a specific amount of time, you want to understand the past data, but you want to be able to forecast. So although I may not have been here for six months, this is where it was currently trending before. This mm-hmm. is where it's currently trending with me, and this is where it should be. What Power BI allow you to see is kind of what it should be on the high end as well as the low end, and then obviously in between. So um, it helps you set that, um, and it can honestly help you in contract negotiation as far as where you're kind of going. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say your performance review is up in June, um, and then your, um, but you have a trend line showing through December. So this is what you know you're scheduled to make. So maybe I deserve more money because this is let's say fifteen percent, twenty, twenty-five percent higher than what we were trending at last year before I was on something of that. Yeah, year. it's it's such a privilege working in sales. Yeah, because what you do is t- tied directly to a dollar amount. Yeah, yeah. A lot of positions fun. are not. It's a little bit more um, nebulous, right? In terms of their return on investment mm-hmm. of you as an employee for them. Exactly, and I mean it. It plays a little bit in both. I mean, as you were just talking about, like being a loss leader. I mean, when I came on, a lot being in a new industry, a lot of it's going to be learning. So a lot of that's yeah. what it's going to be. So. Um, understanding that, but it helps me see where I need to be if I'm mm-hmm. not already on track to get there. Um, and as I said, I want to kind of do the same thing with my current position. So it's good practice. Yeah. Well, I mean, but think about, I imagine you don't have margin data in your current sales role, right? No. Imagine if you did. Yeah. And then you could say, all right, well, these are the bigger companies where I can make more and these are the bigger, like the higher ticket companies that have higher margins. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're you're like double optimizing at that point. Exactly. So I mean that's that's it's kind of 
similar to what we're doing on this project, mm-hmm. where it's like we're giving these insights to this team so they can start to make better decisions. Mm-hmm. Like like from a sales, like if you're behind on a quota, you can be like, all right, well, I need X type of company because they typically, you know, generate X amount, you know, $10,000 per sale or something like that. Exactly. Let's say I'm 8000 behind my quota. Mm-hmm. If I can land just one of those by the end of the week, then I'm good. Exactly. So, yeah. So, it's, it's interesting because you've already kind of got a... Um, analytical frame of mind mm-hmm. that you're applying to business exactly yeah I, I mean honestly this has been great for me as i said these types of high level conversation i'm not a little bit unfamiliar with so just kind of seeing what a ceo or cfo is looking for it'll kind of help me as far as any type of negotiation or just um just as i move through any type of analytical data set so um very excited i mean this is everything i wanted <laughs> awesome well okay but let's get back to all right, so we've established we're going to be working in Power BI, mm-hmm. but how, what kind of analysis are we going to be doing? I'm still confused. Okay, all right, all right. break it so, down for me. Okay, well, you missed Saturday, so we kind of we kind of laid this out. Okay, so we could break it down at the project level. Mm-hmm. So you know, this battery company ran I don't know 87 projects over the last three years. Mm-hmm. So we could look at it very very granular. And we can look we can look at each day within all these projects, and that's you said it's eighteen thousand rows of data. Mm-hmm. Or, and this is where this is the data that we sent to the CFO, kind of as our touch base of like, here's our first pass of the data. Mm-hmm. We looked at it from the five thousand foot view. So okay. what is what is your margin mm-hmm. aggregated to one point? So your KPI card is here's the margin along the, the top top left. Mm-hmm. Then it's the cost associated and the sales associated. Mm-hmm. And then we broke that down into, well, really, we just sent them that, 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 those three KPIs, and then a line chart that looked at sales and cost over time. Okay. So it was a dual axis. So it's like, and then we added a filter where you can say, all right, and here's it by your different customers. Okay. So that was the thing that we actually did in the first conversation we had. Was yeah. Just, okay. But yeah, and I, well, I think that, um, and this is where I, I think I could probably do a better job, is I think you should start there. Okay. Start, start, it's almost like kindergarten math. The basic, yeah. Like the margin is the percentage, or, or your, it's the ratio of your sales to cost. Mm-hmm. And it's, a, it's that percentage. So maybe they could, well, I mean, this is interesting from a sales perspective. They can go and find their highest margin clients mm-hmm. and then go and try to sell them more projects. Exactly. Or there actually might be some that are negative, that have a negative margin. They're losing. Mm-hmm. They need to fire those clients. Right. So, I mean, that's like, I mean, think about that. Like, mm-hmm. we, we've taken this messy data set and then turned it into a tool where they can do some analysis on, well, who is our buyer persona? Mm-hmm. Who should we be targeting? Is it this type of client, this type of industry? Um, and they, they're going to know their, their business. Mm-hmm. But what we're doing is we're giving them the hard data to really check their intuition about it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's the first thing. I, as I said, I didn't know that was what y'all, you sent over and everything. So that was the first thing, the first conversation we went through, you kind of helped. Yeah. You and Hunter helped to help me walk through that a little bit. Well, I guess we're, yeah, I guess, okay, so we're pivoting this conversation, or at least I am in my head about, mm-hmm. I'm filling you in on what we did on Saturday. Exactly. So Saturday, <laughs> it was me and Liam Bay and Hunter. Right. Um, and then, yeah, so the, the, the outcomes from that Saturday meeting is that we took the first pass at analyzing the data. We mm-hmm. looked at how Leon Bay had analyzed it, which 
he did exactly what I thought he was going to do. He went hyper specific. Yeah. And that's what that seems to be everyone's um, gut instinct is to like overdo it and get right. over granular. Right. And it's like, no, no, no. Think of it like you're in the kiddie pool and you have mm-hmm. floaties on. Like, it's very, very simple. Mm-hmm. Like, like all we did was send them three KPIs and a dual axis line chart that has a filter on it. Okay. And they're like, wow, yeah, this is this is a good start. Mm-hmm. And then, so we, we we sent a screenshot of that. And then he said, oh, here, add this in. Mm-hmm. So start there. Because I, I think that you want it to be calibrated to whoever the decision maker is. Right. So here it's the CFO. But mm-hmm. as you get out into the analytics space, it's going to be your manager or you know the VP or whoever you're reporting to. Mm-hmm. So let them kind of lead the conversation. You want to be actively listening. Right. Because I see this all the time in, mm-hmm. in the data space. People will get this like itch to, to find something really intricate mm-hmm. and they'll spend like 80 hours finding this insight that they're really proud of themselves for finding right but it drives the overall business forward by like 0.00001 percent right and it's, and it's it's actually a big loss in terms of you're an asset for that company mm-hmm. and you're poorly allocating your time and energy right so yeah so think about it um almost like the Pareto principle mm-hmm. what are what are the twenty percent of beans that are going to get the eighty percent of right. return? Okay, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just giving them kind of the base level information and allow them to direct you. I think that was one of the things that I did, even when I was taking the notes. I was kind of getting a little bit more hyper specific um, instead of doing it the way you did, um, kind of with the, just the KPI cards and the basic line chart. That's something pretty basic um and i was like we need five visualizations for the first thing to send (laughs) over we need this we need this um that makes a lot more sense because honestly i spent more time trying to figure it out and spending my wills even though that was probably the first thing we needed figure out what we don't have ask the questions send it over see what they think and then kind of retooling it doing it again um it makes a lot more sense, but yeah, I definitely did it the hard way. <laughs> so this is a this is a screenshot that I sent over to the client. Okay. So yeah, we got average margin, total sales, cost. Okay, they did it by account filter, mm-hmm. and then we got the dual axis. So actually, I want you to interpret this. I mean, mm-hmm. For those of you listening, you guys can't see this because it's confidential, but interpret this this dual axis line chart. Um, so we go got ahead. sales in blue, and then cost in red. Right. Forget this last data point because this, this the year's this not year. yet. Right. So, what are these three data points telling us? Um, honestly, it's interesting because there's been an um, an increase in sales um, over the past, like even through COVID. So that's always a positive. Yeah. There was also a bigger increase, um, and they were actually able to save money in twenty um, twenty twenty one. What I would guess is they pivoted well as far as their operations and figured out what worked for them, what didn't cut that, and then they seemed to be more efficient as far as how they were working. Um, so the way that I would say that, and very simply or succinctly, mm-hmm. over the past three years, they're getting a higher margin. Right. So okay. they're finding more lucrative projects for them to work on. Okay. Or it actually could be that maybe they're becoming more efficient too. So they're having the same reason. Well, exactly. that's kind of a question we could have for the client. Exactly. I would assume that they wouldn't add any newer clients because with production, supply chain, and everything like that, they would have been hard to keep up as far as material goes with what they're doing right now. So assuming that they kept the same accounts, it would be being efficient. Now, I, you know, I don't know yet if you know they added more accounts, got rid of some accounts, figured that whole thing out. But that would be my guess just considering supply chain issues that we're having right now. 
Um, mm-hmm. But as I said, they're caught. They're as far as their general growth is increased. So I'm not sure. Yeah, and it's interesting. So we we might be missing that first data point because it looks like okay. So we the 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 dash. Okay, there's an error on. Now that I'm seeing this, All right? <laughs> we we don't have the axis starting at zero. I don't think. Well, it says zero million. So I guess it may have been a couple hundred yeah, thousand. Yeah, right. So I, well, and maybe this needs to be the axis change because it looks like it went from zero to four million up to ten million. So they liver they've what they've they've more than doubled. Mm-hmm. They've grown by two hundred fifty percent just as, as of last year. Which is awesome. <laughs> That's great. But yeah, so um, Hunter sent that email, and you can see. So he added an account filter, and we heard back from the CFO saying, uh, "I'd like the ability to pick um, the project by customer as well, so account and project." Okay. So now we're starting to kind of and get it, more. But specific. wouldn't that? But th- this is a lot simpler than what you were expecting, right? I was like, yeah. I, mean, I, <laughs> I went through data or like graph by graph by graph, like page by page, trying to figure it out. Yeah. This well, what, what, uh, so I'm curious, kind of as the educator here, what why is that in, what is that impulse? Like, are you well why? because I want to present as much information as possible on the first run, um, and then kind of show them everything we have and allow them to pick through it instead of showing them something basic and then them sending you something, sending them something. I think a general sales technique is you want to give the customer like less room to think. You want to do all the thinking for them, so all they can do is say, interesting. That's kind of the way I do it, so or the way I think about it. So I try to provide as much information as, but like, I mean, when you're selling somebody something, you don't want to overload them with information because then they get confused. Or you they have to think about it. Um, but in this role, I mean, for the analytics space, you just want to keep it as basic as possible. Allow them to direct you where you want to go, which is still kind of a sales technique, you know. I think we just have different sales methodologies. That's true. It I, depends on who I'm talking to and what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, I don't. This is, yeah, it's a little bit different. Well, because my, my, like, cause I told you I was in sales right. right before I went and I got my MBA. Insurance game. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, it's more of like a consultative approach. It's, mm-hmm. it's the people who did well. Exactly. Where it's like you get them talking. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you can almost see that this, like, this first simple dashboard right. is a conversation piece. Right. It starts the conversation. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this is what's been interesting, like, running the consultancy in that, I still get slightly overwhelmed. Like when we were walking around the factory, mm-hmm. I, I felt a little bit overwhelmed. I don't know how you felt, like just trying to take it all in. Yeah. But I've done that so many times now. I've done that probably for like, I don't know, 30 plus clients where mm-hmm. it's like there's so much intricacy. Mm-hmm. Um, I just need to get like the high level. What do they do? Mm-hmm. They help with packaging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not like, okay, well, there's all these moving parts to it. And then you start getting confused. Just start with, and that's right. where I went. With. That's exactly yeah, where, yeah. yeah, where I went. With. That's, I mean, that's a good way to think about it. Um, I'd never really thought about pitching this as if I'm trying to sell the CFO with as little information as possible, which makes the most sense and allow them to ask questions and choose where we go from there. That's basic sales. I didn't think about it like that, but it makes more sense to do it like that. Always be closing. <laughs> that's a fact. Um, but also, too, um, I am starting to see it, like, now that I've kind of gotten, you know, seven years into this this kind of space, I am starting to see the risk aspect of things. Mm-hmm. So what the risk is from my end is going down all these rabbit holes, and mm-hmm. they're not calibrated. 
Mm-hmm. So it's just I'm wasting my time and energy. Exactly. So I'm gonna put in. It's almost like strategic laziness. It's like mm-hmm. here's the bare minimum that I can do. I think to uncover an insight. Yeah. Where do we want to go from here? You tell me. Mm-hmm. And I think with having a team, you can just generally ask questions and allow everybody to kind of work on their one thing. I think uh, just me thinking, I'm like, I need to do everything all at one time. Um, yeah, Which I think actually, I just this need is to from an educational standpoint. I think that's actually good. Because you probably picked up two or three. Th- well, you looked into forecasting and, and Power BI, which is something I don't know. Right. So, like, you you went and you're learning all this stuff, mm-hmm. which, I mean, it, it it'll be beneficial to show them at a certain point. But again, we should have got we should as you as you Hunter and Leon did is keep it as basic as possible in the first run. I yeah. think as we move through this project, uh, continue to move through this project, we need to just ask. Basic questions. I think yeah. the way we need to direct it now that I'm thinking about it, a couple basic questions um, include what they want us to include for the previous meeting, send it back through, see what they say, take it back, revamp it, send it back through. Yeah, um, that's, that's what – we'll probably have like one or two more stabs at it. Exactly. But it's we're, – we're already 90% of the way there with like, all right, mm-hmm. we, can add, we can add in extra visualizations. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting because we're just talking to Pat. Who is right. the CFO? Right. Julian also, if you remember in that meeting, he had he was like, I want to see some trends as well. Mm-hmm. So we can we can also incorporate some of his ideas into it. Exactly, and I think well. yeah, trends. Yeah, trends will be well. I think forecasting will be another piece. But um, I think now that again, this has been a great conversation because as I'm thinking about it. Um, Slowing it down, like I don't really know how the analytics in the consulting space works. So I assume that we're not going to have many stabs at it other than the questions that they're going to ask us. So let me try to do everything all at once. Like the general process of, hey, we're going to send this back, wait on it, kind of get it back, send it back, and kind of do this. Mm-hmm. And then working with a team as you do this, which I, I've never done in this space. So it's been a little bit interesting, a learning process. Well, okay. It's interesting because when I started – Consulting, mm-hmm. I had that very same sentiment where I'm going to sell them a thirty thousand dollar project, mm-hmm. and I'm going to have all the bells and whistles, and we're going to go super deep. Yeah, yeah. I have since switched my business model to be a retainer based model. Okay, it's twenty five hundred bucks a month, mm-hmm. and I'll work on your project as long as you want me to. Okay, which is funny because I my longest running project has been 10, 10 months, mm-hmm. so it's the same. I mean roughly $30,000 project just mm-hmm. spread out over time. Right. And it's it's um it's less rushed and it's more thought out and kind of iterated mm-hmm. instead of and I think this is where expertise comes into play. Mm-hmm. Um cuz right well right now it's it's like the three different types of luck. There's there's hustle luck, um there's blind luck which you can't do anything about and then there's the luck you get for being like the expert or like mm-hmm. the one who knows what they're doing mm-hmm. um right now you're in the hustle luck phase mm-hmm. so you're turning on a, turning over all the stones to see if there's you know any gold right. underneath it which i think is good and that's mm-hmm. what you should do early on mm-hmm. but as you get further into your career you start having like mental models and you have leverage so you can make one simple decision like mm-hmm. i did with this which I'm, I'm actually loving this the structure of this apprenticeship program where you guys are going out doing all of the hustling making all the all the crazy graphs and stuff Mm -hmm. and then hunter is helping you kind of hone that in and then i am helping hone in what hunter honed in Mm -hmm. so it's like let's tie this back to the business right so but i think that from an educational standpoint that's that's a really solid like it is so 
antithetical to the current state of education mm-hmm. where they just like chew it up and mama bird into your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, here's the data. Mm-hmm. Here's the problem. You've talked to the CFO. You go figure this out. Exactly. And then we'll we'll go in and we'll iterate on it. Exactly. And yeah, I definitely think that's what we did. I know um, Leon Bay went into the weeds with it as far as some of the stuff. He actually sent me some of the text message. I had not had to get a chance to look at it yet just as far as some of the stuff that he learned. I do think that's the best way to do it. And well, then, because yeah. when you look at what we were trying to do and then what you sent over for the first minute, way too much. <laughs> way too much. So, I mean, but that's good. It's like we know how to do it. Plus, well, uh, actually, I, no, I think this is a, also like a confidence building opportunity as well. And mm-hmm. that it's not as hard as you think it is. Exactly. I think that like was you're, you're way overthinking it. <laughs> yeah. like, literally, we had four things in this first dashboard. Mm-hmm. Well, five things. So it was the three KPIs, the dual access line chart, and a filter. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, this looks great. I've never seen it this way before. Mm-hmm. Oh, we can drill down on. Oh, wow, that's that's that changes the way that we can like do our business. Mm-hmm. And it's literally what five things five w- things. within this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's as I said. This is this has been a good good conversation because it's kind of working. I now I know it's like all right. I know the basics. I know kind of how to move through this. Now I just need to make sure I. Don't I don't need to be as specific as possible. I just need to be specific to a couple base KPIs. Send that over, or send that. You know, have our manager look at it and then kind of move from there. Yeah, um, yeah. Getting off into the weeds. I'm telling you, I spent two hours just staring at the screen, like <laughs> making something deleted that didn't work, that didn't make sense. Well, that that's that's so good though, in that you're going to be so much more well prepared mm-hmm. to send in the interview, and then also you're not going to be at ground zero. When you start your first analytics job, mm-hmm. you're, and you don't really get that. Now that I'm thinking about it, like you could just pivot directly into the analytics space. Like Leombe has a friend who did it, but I bet it's pretty tough getting in there with like no help or no guidance. Like it's basically sink or swim. Um, yeah, and I think it depends. From what I've seen, when we had the little little project of kind of going through and seeing some skills from you know a couple key players as far in the analytics space, like Microsoft, Google. I think I looked at Boeing, Exxon, and a couple of those other ones. They want you to be more specific. I think for just something basic as it is, how to get an analytics job podcast, something entry level, um, I think from what we already know, we're prepared to do it. That's crazy. Now, depending on how complicated we get, (laughs) we could probably ask for a little bit more money. Yeah. Um, depending on the space, because I actually did see, I mean, I come from a little bit more of a sales background, so I saw a couple of roles that I may be able to get something higher than the average. Um, and that's where I'm kind of looking at. I mean, we talked about, you know, I like my incentives. So, yeah. you know, I've looked at that, but from where we're at, I don't know anybody who's coming into the space and what you're looking to make, but um, we're a month and a half in, and I think we're prepared to do it i mean as i said before we started talking i mean now it's tailoring the portfolio tailoring the resume okay it's funny because i just shot a commercial for like the the next cohort (laughs) and yeah and well it's funny because i said the apprentices spend anywhere from 40 to 80 hours in the first month do you think that's how how many hours do you think would you say that you spent studying Um, like in the meetings with with me taking the online modules mm -hmm. and also working on this on your own um so i mean basic we took about two probably about three hours a week as far as like on the live streams on the like our meetings on saturdays and we come in here one day um and then outside of that it just really depends well there's another what three hours of online learning oh yeah within the the three hours online online learning so that's six hours there 
per week. Per week, yeah. And then, yeah, so about six hours there. And then you actually have the project. So when I first started getting on, as I said, I had a little bit more Excel pivot tables. I was a little more familiar with that. But when we got into Power BI, it was literally watching a video, um, trying it. All right, that didn't work. Let me go back and watch the video, see how it applies to the data set, trying it. And then kind of going back. So you also maybe eight hours, eight you, hours a week. Well, but you oh, also yeah. have the other project you're working on. Well, within your own current company, where you're starting to build out a dashboard for your 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 sales. I haven't started that because I'm missing some data points that okay. I realized today. However, I did the real estate thing that I was looking. The at. real estate thing. So yeah, I actually that, did that. Does that get you up to the? Because I, I I don't want the marketing to be off. I, I feel like so if you spent roughly ten hours a week that first month, so. That's where the 40 comes in. Because mm-hmm. Leon B, on the other hand, he's a probation officer. He's never touched Excel other right. than like hard keying it in. Right. But he's been spending like two or three hours a day on it. Exactly. So, I mean, but I mean, he's, he's got a lot to catch up on. Well, yeah, that and Leon Bay is very interested in other forms of coding. So he does that plus more coding <laughs> plus more coding. So. so, yeah, I mean, I think 80 hours is probably conservative for him. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> think so. Because he does some on the weekends where I'm like, yeah, no, nah, I'm going to just chill. Um, but yeah, I, I think we're definitely very prepared. I think anybody that is listening, one of the main things that you're going to want to do is try to figure out something you're interested in, whether that's um, trying to figure out how to quantify your current position to in some type of contract negotiation or whether you're up for a job review, figure out a way to use Tableau, Power BI, or Excel to quantify that to show them that. Like, have your own side project, and that made it more interesting to me. Yeah, It helped me play with that, and I was just playing with some numbers. And I also didn't just do that. Some of the real estate stuff, I actually sent that to a couple of my friends just to look at. Um, well, I helped you with it too. Yeah. Because I'm realizing it's like what you're getting out of it is you're getting structure first and foremost. So mm-hmm. I'm like, first we're going to we're gonna go through the, the foundational concepts, then jump into Excel, mm-hmm. then Power BI, then Tableau. Mm-hmm. Then from Tableau, you're going to build out your portfolio, and then we're going to also start on your apprenticeship project. Exactly. So it's, it's just like... It's like almost like a cultural shift within your own life. Like, yeah, like, I think the way that I think about a lot of different things now is like, how can I quantify it and how can I look at it in a data set? I mean, great. Excel, everything yeah. is kind of how. And I mean, I do that a lot with work now. As I said, I didn't realize we had been talking about like me using certain things for uh, my current position. And I realized that I was like, I need this. It would make this uh, some of my visual, visualizations a little bit more accurate if I had this. So now I know what I kind of have to ask for, go mm-hmm. back and get. Um, and as I said, the real estate thing was kind of cool to look at um, and kind of figure out a couple cool things from there that I want to do with it. Um, well, yeah, and then, well, I also want so. it to be at least a little bit fun some of the time. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it was fun, but like past that, I'm like, even past the, the, the work that we do, the data sets that we own, like I... With the real estate thing, it was really interesting because I actually researched own data. So I went to different websites, pulled different data sets, put an Excel file together, and did all that myself. And that yeah. in itself took a while. But again, I was interested in doing it. And from there, I was very excited to kind of throw that in Tableau, see what that looked like, play with some of the modules, some of the graphs. And as I said, when I jumped from ta- – and this was a while or a little bit before we did Power BI. And when I jumped from that back to Power BI, Power BI made a lot more sense, which yeah. was the one that was the least familiar with me kind of as we moved through it. So – I mean, as I said, I'm I'm having fun. So, <laughs> well, yeah, I was gonna say, touring the factory. I mean, you you were like you're beaming after that. Yeah, man. I mean, <laughs> you're it, like this is so cool. Yeah. But I mean, at a high level, like it's funny because I, I just shot this commercial last night. So, Facebook, mm-hmm. Apple, Netflix, Google, all those companies mm-hmm. innovated in the space, and now it's starting to trickle down to medium and small size businesses. Mm-hmm. So the whole premise is 
I'm training you, but also these small and medium sized business owners mm-hmm. on analytics. Right. And then it's like, you're doing the work, they're providing the data, everybody's mm-hmm. benefiting from this. I mean, exactly. it's, it's, it's a really interesting concept. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's real. I mean, I think the way that you look at the data from the first week compared to now is, is a little bit different. And I think that was the one thing, like, I wanted to know the right questions to ask. Um, some of the conversations to have. But I think all in all, what I realized is it's not as hard as I thought it would be as far as I just had to know how to look at the problem and then how to play with the tools. And that was, one of the, again, one of the things Naveed yeah. told us. If you know how to mess with the tools, the problems are going to be consistent. They may look a little bit different, sound a little bit different. But if you can play with the tools and you know the correct questions to ask, you can visualize it. And that's what we're here to do. Yeah. That's so interesting, though. T- tell me more about how you thought about data before. Um, it so, was so you just went hyper specific. It was very yeah, it was very hyper specific to be honest. And honestly, I looked at anytime I looked at something, I was like, "This is going to be too complicated for me to figure out." Hopefully, I can find something on Google or something online that is kind of similar to this, so I don't have to do much thinking. Now, what I can realize is it's not as hard as I think. Um, the just visualizing some of the things and then asking you specific questions as we're kind of moving through that. Yeah. I, I don't I don't really know. I hadn't thought about it, to be honest. But the way that I naturally think about problems is a little bit more complex, but it's a little less strenuous than I thought it would be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it's interesting. I mean, we're, we're kind of going off on a little tangent here. Yeah. And that, I well, I just want to kind of know, like, your mindset. Because it seems like, this conversation alone has been kind of an epiphany in that mm-hmm. you're you're dialing up the complexity to like a thousand. Right. You just need like a little. Well, actually, what what is it? If the saying is like if you can if you can teach a complex subject in simple terms, mm-hmm. you truly know it. Exactly. So like, I mean, that's another way of you can of, of framing up analytics is we're taking these complex things mm-hmm. and making them simple. Exactly. So, like, I mean, let's root down on a KPI, like a KPI card. Mm-hmm. So we've got 18,000 data points. Mm-hmm. We've combined them all into just one. What is the average margin? Exactly. That is the most important data point for this use case. Yeah, sales and revenue over cost. And then that was the basic thing that we did. We've created a line chart um, showing that over a period yeah. of time. Um, figuring out how to where to put on the axis and formatting specific things, whether we're going to do a sum or average for that data point. Like, there's a lot of different things that, again, were very complicated when we first started doing it. Like, I'm not going to lie to you, when we were going over Power BI when I was watching the video, I was like, this is going to suck. Um, <laughs> because I was like, this is like, seems so hard. And I was like, it does seem very Windows 98 esque. Um, but, but it opened the, up with Tableau, right? It opened up yeah. with Tableau, and then coming back to it, I was like, "All right, this isn't as complicated." Okay, oh, all right. So now, now I'm starting to like learn about the like, like the program structure. It seems like it works. Like Excel is pretty palatable for most people. Yeah, it's like, a good starting point. Well, I mean, it's the the thing that's so cool about Excel, the best thing about Excel is also the worst thing. Mm-hmm. You can hard code in data, mm-hmm. so you can say, "All right, cell A1 is 10, cell mm-hmm. A2 is 2. We're going to add them up, and it's 12." Mm-hmm. Well, what if instead of putting one zero, you put one zero? Mm-hmm. Well, you just broken your data set, exactly. and you did that. So it's prone to manual error, but it's really good for people learning at the beginning because it's like very customizable and exactly and very interchangeable. I mean, it's going to be the thing that they're the most familiar with, right? And then jumping into Power BI, the way I wanted to structure it is that this is really your introduction to data modeling. 
Mm-hmm. So it's like you're taking multiple of those Excel files and combining them. Mm-hmm. And then the data visualization kind of sucks in, in Power BI. It's, it's not the mm-hmm. greatest. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's, it's functional. Mm-hmm. But then we jump from that into Tableau, and Tableau is right. just very intuitive and just sleek. It has looking. all the colors. and Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of it's more fun. I mean, honestly, for me, when we got in Power BI, it was like this is – excuse me, more difficult than it needs to be. And then you go to Tableau and then you're like, all right, this kind of makes sense. And then you go back and like, none of this was hard as I thought it was. And like, I, I like doing the hard, harder, like what I considered to be harder was Power BI. Jumping in Tableau, you'd always say Tableau is probably the easiest, easiest to work through. And then going back to Power BI and then everything tied into one, everything made more sense. So I think it was a good structure for me because um, I like the hardest thing first, and that was probably the best thing. Well, the first thing you got is Excel. I'll say, yeah, I, I like that's <laughs> like a hard sandwich. It was like Power BI is like in the middle right. between the two, but I think what also you're getting reps in mm-hmm. those repetitions. Mm-hmm. Like you're you're seeing like all right because I also encouraged you to work through the same data sets across all three of the different platforms. Mm-hmm. Like I think did we look at the Unimi data in in Power BI or Tableau? I think we may have no. If we did, it was still on a Saturday. All right, well, assignment. Yeah, assignment. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So for those of you who are listening, the the way that I've it's funny. This is like my my move in mm-hmm. in the educational space is I will download my Udemy review mm-hmm. and then just send it to you and be like, here, analyze this. Mm-hmm. And it's cool because it's like the first time someone's a lot of these people have seen a data set. Of more than five thousand rows, mm-hmm. but then it's almost like a get to know me mm-hmm. in that this is data that real people have given me about a course that I or the courses I've created. Mm-hmm. So it's like a, kind of a low key flex of like, yeah, I've had fifty thousand people take my Udemy courses, right? But also it's it's useful because it's like tell me which one of these were are the worst, which ones are the best. Mm-hmm. You know, is, is there any um, like uh, for example within the Udemy case study, there was an update with Power Power BI where almost all the lectures became outdated mm-hmm. and there's a drop in my ratings. Mm-hmm. It's like, you can see like, Oh, that was the month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was updated. Yeah. Which I think um, that's a pretty palatable use case. That's re- relatively simple mm-hmm. um, to where the use case that you're working on with this client, it's a little bit more nebulous in that they don't have, it's not like this is the one thing we want. Mm-hmm. They're like, we just know we need analytics. Like right. we're, we've, We've what? We've grown by two hundred fifty thousand, two hundred fifty percent over last year. Right. We know data is important, mm-hmm. and I think that's a lot of companies right now. Right. I mean, this is a multi-million dollar company. I mean, for anybody that's listening, I mean, if you're, I don't know what position that you may or may not be in, but um, these are the conversations that people at a high level that are making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year are having. Yeah. And these are the questions that they're wanting to know. And if you can answer these questions, then you deserve to be in these same rooms. And, you know, and it kind of gives you an idea of if you're going into a hiring manager, like, yeah, we're looking for a specific uh, roles um, for you to have specific responsibilities and things like that. But ultimately, they report to somebody and Mm -hmm. that somebody is asking these same questions. So if you're going to be able to visualize those things and have those conversations, as I said, I, you know, one of the things that I, you know, once we get to the resume portfolio interview style Having those conversations and um, you know being able to respond to interview questions is kind of going to be my next step. But um, as I said, well, we're kind of doing it now. Exactly. Like, yeah. I, I'm, you're, and I see that's what's cool about turning this into a podcast is that right. like the, the listeners are getting to see kind of like 
I, I'm, this is these are almost like um, podcast slash coaching sessions because mm-hmm. like we're just reviewing. Well, it's, it's a little bit of a two way street, and then I'm also curious about what is and what is not working because this is still just like the first iteration right. of this this mm-hmm. appro- new approach to teaching analytics. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, actually, I'm kind of curious. Let's let's close out. So we're at 52 minutes. Okay. Let's close out on a mock interview question. All right. So, Gavin, tell me about the project you worked on in the Greensboro College Analytics Apprenticeship Program. All right. The project I worked on, uh, we got a, uh, a taste of the ERP data. So one of the things that they wanted to do, they wanted to know um, sales trends. They wanted to know um, what was their highest margin. They wanted to know specifically what was their highest margin by project, by year. They wanted to know... Um, and that's where I'm lost. You okay. Know? So, I mean, right. that's kind of... The, Let I me jump in. Yeah, go ahead. I think you need a, you need a structure. Mm-hmm. This needs, like, a narrative structure mm-hmm. of, like, almost... You can think of it like Joseph, Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey, like Star Wars. Like, you know, Luke, Star, Luke started off in that desert planet, then he had the call to adventure, then he met a mentor, then he overcame mm-hmm. the problem, and now he's back in, to square one, but it's a new world. Mm-hmm. So, I think... Where you should start is, oh, yeah, in this apprenticeship program, I worked with a packaging company that helps um, organizations who do not have the inventory to meet their excess demand. Mm-hmm. Um, this was so that you're, you're setting the stage. So it's like step one. Like, or you could just simply say, oh, yeah, we worked with a rapidly growing patch- packaging company. Mm-hmm. Um, then, well, there's multiple ways to do it because you could do the STAR method, which is situation, task, action, result. And that's what they do at Amazon, mm-hmm. which I think and, – and I may have Danny come on. He's my friend who's a senior project manager or product manager over there come in and talk about that. Okay. But, he, I mean uh, – You had a previous podcast with him, correct? I, yeah. I think he's come on twice now. I have um, one of them saved on my playlist. But... Um, yeah, he's he's great though. But yeah, the, the, the STAR is like – that. that's a very – Mm-hmm. Yeah, getting to structures, that's a very um, effective way of, of communicating. Mm-hmm. I like it. Um, here's the situation. Here's the problem and solution. And here's the outcome. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're kind of not at the outcome yet. Mm-hmm. But so, all right. The way I would answer it is, oh, yeah, we, in the apprenticeship program, we worked with a ra- rapidly growing packaging company. Um, they knew that they were scaling up, but mm-hmm. they didn't have any visibility into their data. Mm-hmm. So what we did was we built... Um, some analytics infrastructure in Power BI, mm-hmm. where they can now start to understand what's going on at a high level within their data. Mm-hmm. But we also built in some functionality where they can filter out, filter into their data on the account and the different um, customer levels mm-hmm. to find specific insights. Mm-hmm. For example, one of the problems that we solved was they had some nebulousness around their pricing strategy. Mm-hmm. So their their sales professionals were going out and selling projects, but they weren't quite sure how to quote. What we did was we found which different types of customers we were losing money on. So we decided not to sell those. Mm-hmm. So that just that helped make that salesperson's day easier because they know not to t- go and make calls for these types of customers. Mm-hmm. But we also gave them some hard data to back up some pricing models. Mm-hmm. So we can't really say like, and it. Ideally, I would like to say, and it led to them making 
a million dollars more per year. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can't, we're not quite there yet. Like, I don't know what the actual outcome is. Mm-hmm. Um, we so we're missing kind of, so we got point one, beat one, beat two, mm-hmm. and then beat three is kind of like unknown mm-hmm. right now. Well, I guess, I guess we could pivot it now and say that, all right, beat one, we worked with a packaging company, beat two, we built some Power BI infrastructure, mm-hmm. beat three, we helped them improve their pricing model. I mean, that's like a very simple... Because you're, yeah, you're going, it's funny, you're doing the same thing that you did within the analysis, within explaining it. Yeah. You're going I, very specific sales trends, we're looking at margin, we're looking at this. Yeah, I think once um, we look at it in its entirety and I kind of work through it, I can give a more complete answer. Um, but as I said, the interview process is kind of the next step for me to kind of figure out a little bit. Um, this is a little bit different than the types of interviews that I've done in the past. So just as far as the questions I'd be answering and then obviously showing the portfolio. So that is yeah. definitely the next step. Um, so I'm interested to see what that looks like. Yeah. Well, just, and I, I, well, I think this is something that I guess they talk about a little bit in like the career services world, mm-hmm. like how to how to talk about yourself. But this is a little bit different. I'm starting to calling calling it like what I'm doing is career consulting in mm-hmm. that I'm making it hyper-specific to this industry. So mm-hmm. I know what's going on to where typical career coach, they're not in any in industry. Mm-hmm. They, their business is to help people get jobs. Right. Across. And if they, because if, yeah, if, if they overly specialize in one space, they might not be able to make a living because there's only so many jobs in the analytics space mm-hmm. or the software engineering space or wherever. Um so, yeah, I think that we're, we're going to be getting into that. Over, right. Because, yeah, we're, what, two weeks in the project. We got another two weeks on that. Right. And we may extend the, the project out depending because then we've got another four weeks of the career consulting stuff. Right. And as I said, that that is going to be the point where I, I think, again, once we have the project down, once we have the portfolio out, I think we can just do some mock interviews and kind of go yeah. from there. Yeah. I'm excited about it. Well, you've, you've been doing an amazing job so far. Let's uh, close out this podcast. All right. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Hey, I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I'm curious, were there any valuable insights or lessons that you learned? One thing that could hugely help us out is if you just took 30 seconds and left us a review with a little blurb about what you learned. Thank you so much for your time and attention, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Hey, I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I'm curious, were there any valuable insights or lessons that you learned? One thing that could hugely help us out is if you just took 30 seconds and left us a review with a little blurb about what you learned. Thank you so much for your time and attention, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day.